Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Good evening. Good evening. Um, it really is a joy to be here. I, in many ways, is my first time here. I've been here on a Sunday morning on one occasion, and uh, I wasn't preaching at Jubilee, and I wanted to go to a proper church, so I came here. <laughs> and, and it was just such a blessing. It was very early morning. I was able to come here, then dash back. Um, but to be here today is uh, a real blessing, uh, particularly the worship. I actually texted Al. I said, I don't have to preach. I'm happy to not <laughs> preach and just let uh, what, what the Lord is doing to just continue. And then he came to me and said, we will definitely be preaching. <laughs> so... Um, so I'm here. I feel very encouraged to be here, and I'll, I can't quite see my clock from here. I'm a Nigerian. <laughs> Nigerian preachers go on and on and on. So <laughs> you know, I won't do that. I know by, you know, got to be at the pub by nine o'clock. So, uh, but uh, really, in many ways, in every way, it's a joy to be here. Um, so, Father, we pray that your spirit that is already here and is moving here will continue to do so. So that at the end of it, Father, I pray that we would be edified, that Jesus would be glorified in this place now and forever in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen and Amen. Psalm 8, the psalmist says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in, in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. So no one can say they can't see it. When I think of the heavens, the work of your fingers to God, light work, work of your fingers. It, it makes me ask, what is man that you are mindful of him? I mean, like, really? What is the son of man that you care about him? You made him a little lower than the angels, but then you gave him dominion over the works of your hand. I mean, dominion over the, over the sheep and the ox and the beasts of the field and, uh, and over the dominion over the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Oh, Lord, our God, how, how majestic is your name in all the earth? And all God's people said, Amen. because this is the word of the Lord. It's the word of the Lord. It's the Bible's way of saying all of creation is full of the fingerprints of the Almighty. Like, like this, there's a line in the song Highlands that says, I've been looking for you, then it turns out you're not that hard to find. You're just like right there. The fingerprints of the Almighty deliberately said everywhere so that no one can say, I can't see or I don't understand. And it's the line in there when it says, you have set your glory, glory. It's that that I want to speak about a little bit this evening. When the Bible talks about glory, it talks about 
the glory of God, first of all, the different expressions. One of them uh, is the glory, uh, it talks, meaning the weight, weight of glory, where you think of that which is heavy, that which is stable, that which has, you know, we would say gravitas, you know, a certain kind of person walks into the room and there's just something about them that is somewhat captivating and just evokes confidence uh, the Bible describes God and glory in such terms, that which is the weight of glory. The weight of glory. There's another way the Bible describes glory and God. It has to do with light. Uh, the light is light that is, you might say, indescribable. It's just blazing and shining and, uh, yeah, despises the scripture. You think, for example, of someone like Moses who went up the mountain, spent time with God, and when he finished spending time with the Almighty, he actually said to God, can I see your face? And God says, Moses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was going so well. <laughs> you know, why would you say to see my... No one can see my face and live. No one. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will walk this way, I'll keep you here. You'll get to see just my hindquarters and that will be enough for you. Or God comes and moves the voices everywhere. You know, the Lord, the Lord. This is all in the book of Exodus, chapters 33 onwards. And Moses catches a glimpse of God. When Moses finishes, he goes down to the camp to meet with all the people. The people see him. They've been waiting for him for such a long time. In fact, they thought the guy is dead. In fact, they found it. They just chose another leader because they thought he's dead. Moses comes down. They see him and they say to him, go back. Go back. Because his face is shining. All they can see is a torso moving. The whole face is like, the be like just a beam of light coming out. They say to him, would you just cover it, cover it. All because he spent a little moment with God. Think of the kind of glory that rubs off on a person just because they were present. It's why you come, by the way. You come that something of the corporate glory may rub off on you and then you see the changes God makes in your life without you even realizing it. You have moments of praying and on your way out think, oh, well, while I was there, it was good. Now I'm here. Did anything happen? You see what he's done over time. The light, the light of his glory. And then there's a third way the Bible describes glory. And it has to do, it has to do with the, the, the crescendo of it all. When he describes the son of glory. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. That he, he is the glory of God. We're told in John chapter 1. That says, and so he came and he dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. It's full of grace, full of truth. You want to know what glory looks like? Look at Jesus. I can't see him. Oh, oh, he's all over the pages of this book. He is there. And the more you spend time with him, the more you see his glory. The more you see his glory, the more the glory rubs off on you. The different expressions of glory. Glory speaks of majesty of God. It speaks of the grandness of God. It speaks of the beauty of God. It speaks of the transcendence of God. He's over and above. Every it speaks of the sovereignty of God. 
where he doesn't need a parliamentary majority to get his ideas through. He just says it and it is. That's power. That's glory. You see it in the experts. You see it all over nature. The glory, the glory of God. I, I always think, when you think of glory, meaning God is so big, you know. One of the things that really brought it home to me when holiday sometime last year, uh, you need to know whenever we go, okay, I'm the guy that likes to, I like to go cheap. <laughs> Just in everything. I'm like, we can save the money. And Kemi, on the other hand, my wife, sitting at the back there, she wants to go, or shall we just say, not so cheap. <laughs> On this occasion, you know, it's been just a difficult two years, the period previously, the pandemic and all that. And we're going to go, Kemi's like, you know, we should have a good holiday. And then Kemi, yeah, yeah, she deserves it. So I'm like, saying to my assistant, it doesn't matter what it costs. This was a foolish statement. <laughs> Very unwise, unguarded, reckless. <laughs> By the time the whole thing is done and booked, I'm seeing on the screen, you know, she's like, this is what it looks like. This is where, well, all I can think of is how, how much did this cost? When I said no expenses, I didn't mean it like that. Because you see this, the hotel, you see the, the sky, the sun is out. I'm like, oh my goodness me, how much is it? Well, you know what, it's paid for now, we have to go. We go all the way, we get there, you know, the airport. We land, they're like, open the door for you. I'm like, oh no, how much is this costing? <laughs> you know, we'll get your luggage. No, I'll get my own luggage, but you, know, every, you can eat as much as you want, drink as much as you want. The whole time I'm like, no, no. Kemi's waltzing around the place. She's having a good time. We booked it because Kemi likes the sea and the ocean. So we go to the seaside, you know, sit down on the... I, I've never really done this, believe it or not. Sit down on the... I didn't used to go to holidays until like, I don't know, a few years ago. So this is all like over the top to me. We sit down by the beach. Kemi's she's got her hat thing. She's, she's like just enjoying this regardless of me. She's enjoying it. One of the waiters comes over. He says, what would you like to drink, sir? Just name it. Because I'm thinking, how much is it going to cost? Oh, he says, it's, it's all been paid for. So now I'm stuck. You might as well have it. He goes, he gets the drinks, he comes back. And he gives me the drink. And we're sitting down. I can just see the ocean. This thing, there's no end to it. I just say, you know the way it looks like the clouds and the oceans kiss at the end point there. It silences, you know. It silences you. It, 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 it reminds you of your creatureliness. You're, you, you're just so small compared. The, guy, the waiter comes, gives me my drink, and I want to make small talk. Me, you, know, you never know who you might win to Christ, right? I said to him, so what's your name? He says, my name is Moses. I said, is that so? Because I'm about to tell him a story about a guy called Moses I know in the Bible. Before I could get there, he says, my name is Moses. 
And if you come here at 5.30 p.m., I will be right about there in front of this ocean and I will part it in two. It's <laughs> exactly what he said. I laughed and laughed. And that, I thank God for that guy because only then did my holiday start. <laughs> it was so funny. This short guy in very, very short shorts, that should be banned, very short shorts, Say to me that he will stand in front of this mass expanse of water that scares you just looking at it. He's saying he will stand there. He will just stare at it and separate the whole thing. And of course, he's talking about the story in the Bible. And the reason it's so funny is because it reminds you the kind of God that we serve, the power that he has, all of this speaking of the glory of God, his majesty. To think that he created it all uh, with a whisper. It's all in nature. It's in creation. The glory of God. No wonder the psalmist says, you know, in Psalm 19, no wonder the psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Even the skies, they speak, they proclaim his handiwork. And day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. They display, you can tell there's intelligent design behind this thing. And there's no speech where their voice or their words cannot be heard. The words go all around, the voice to the ends of the earth. You know, it says, in it, he has made a tent for the sun. Think about that now, because that is the psalmist giving us such powerful descriptions through poetry. He says, God made a tent. See how big God is. He makes a tent, not like that one. <laughs> he makes a tent and then says to the sun, get in there. Get in. And the sun obeys Zips it up. Every morning he unzips it and says to the sun, go for a walk. And the whole thing beams forth and comes out. It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Like a strong man all set, ready to run his course. I mean, it goes all the way, the sun to, makes a circuit to the ends of the earth. Nothing is hidden from its heat. Nothing is hidden from his heat. All of this was created by God just with words. We get so impressed when we see new buildings erected in fairly quick time and we see all the people working, incredible engineering. He just speaks and it is. No wonder the psalmist goes on to say, the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul that the testimonies of the Lord, they are sure, they make wise the simple. That would be you. It makes wise the simple. It says the precepts of the Lord, oh, he says they are good, they are strong, they are sure, they are right. If you will follow those precepts, it's amazing what he will do in your life says the commandments of the Lord, they are pure. 
and they bring light to the eyes. They enlighten you. It says, the fear of the Lord is clean and it endures forever. It never changes. Think about having the fear of the Lord in your life, the kind of person that you would be. It says, and the rules, the statutes of the Lord, oh, they're true, altogether righteous. It says, God's word, this is to be desired more than gold, more than pure gold, really. This is to be desired more than any, more than honey, more than pleasure, more than money. This is to be desired. He says, by this your servant is warned. By this your servant is warned. He goes on to say, oh God, preserve me from presumptuous sins. Think about that line. Deliver me from presumptuous sins. May they not rule over me. Then I'll be blameless. I'll be innocent of great transgression. May the words of my mouth, he describes God's words, now he's describing my own word. May the words of my mouth and the thoughts I have, the meditations of my heart, may they be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. He's trying to say, Look at the heavens. Look at what God has done with his words. Pay attention to his words. That's why I like the line, deliver me from presumptuous sins. We all have a tendency, don't we, to take God's glory for granted. It's all around, but we tend to take it for granted with our so many presumptuous sins. And then there are consequences. Perhaps, perhaps one of the best stories in the Bible that bears this out has to do with the Israelites. That the Israelites are God's people and God knows them, loves them, calls them, gives them his name. He's going to be their chief of staff. He's going to be their provider. He's going to be their minister of health. He will take care of them in every way. All they had to do was abide by his word. And then he said, I will, in fact, I will, as it were, come down from heaven and dwell amongst you. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. And so it is that they had an ark, the ark of covenant. And in it, they had a number of items. And it represented the presence of God and the glory of God amongst them. I mean, because of this ark, they could never lose. They could never, they could never lose a battle for thou art with me because God was with them. If there was a battle, they would take the ark, they would go to battle, but because of the ark, they would win. Some of the time, they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even fight. They'd go there, slash, slash, and we're done. And they go home. They just won, just because God was with them. Anytime, you know, the trumpets are blown, time for battle, everybody gets up, you go there, you get out, slash, slash, we're done here. And they go back. It's basically, God was with them all the time. And they knew it. After a while, you know, the trumpets would go, they would just get up and go. They, after a while, the trumpets would go, they'd be like, oh, for goodness, I'm about to go to bed now. God is 
for them. After a while, they're taking it for granted. Before you know it, the trumpet blasts, it's time for war. They go to battle. On one occasion, they went to battle, fighting, and they're losing. They are being killed. They think, what's, when are you, what's this? What's with this? Where, where's the ark? Yeah, they forgot the ark back home. Think of the extent of that casual way of being with God. They went to battle and for, they just left the ark behind. They're like, that's why we're losing. Go get the ark. So now they send some people run. They get the ark, they come back. They bring the ark. They're like, yes, now we will show them the Philistines still defeated them. Not just that. The two sons of the priests, high priests, they die. Not just that. The bad news gets back to the high priest at home. He hears this. He falls over backwards, breaks his neck, and the high priest dies. Not just that. The Ark of Covenant that they relied on gets taken, confiscated by the Philistines, and they take it away. In characteristic English reductionism, you would call this a rather bad day. <laughs> right? This, this is a bad day. It's all gone. Everything is gone. And so it is that they realize they're in trouble. Oh, but now the Philistines. The Philistines. I see we have two preachers today. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like listening to him myself, but there you go. The Philistines, who now have the Ark of Covenant, they take the Ark and they take it away. And now they are shouting. They're, now they know we've taken their charm, we've taken their talisman, we've taken their rabbit's foot. They take the Ark of Covenant, they put it before their own God, Dagon. They go to bed, come back the following morning, their god, Dagon, which is a statue, has fallen down in front of the ark. They saw it and thought, well, we can't explain it, but never mind. We'll put it back. Following day, they do the same thing. This time, their god is falling down in front of the ark. His head has been separated from his shoulders. His arms and his legs have been decapitated and the torso is sitting there. They come and see this. They're like, I think this has to do with this ark. Oh, you think? You th now you think? It's obvious. Then they're like, okay, we need to tell everybody to calm down. We go around town. People are breaking out in boils and in diseases. Now they're like, this is because of this ark. What have we done? So they decide to take the ark to all the other, you know, cities in, the, in Philistine, you know, Ashkelon, Gad. The, all the people are like, we do not want the ark, thank you very much. So now they're getting, so nobody wants the ark. Nobody wants the presence. Nobody wants the glory because they're realizing it's not to be tampered with. So they decide we're going to put it on, on a cart they build a new cart. Then they put two horses in front of two cows. And they put some gifts. Because the last thing, they, they don't want to hear the Israelis are so angry they sent it back. They can't have it back. They send the cows. And these two cows, this is a miracle. They find their way all the way to Israel. You ever heard of such a thing? 
two cows going side by side saying, moo, I moo, you too. And they're finding their way all the way. They take this most incredibly expensive, valuable, they take it all the way and they get it to Israel. No GPS. They got there. And when the ark gets there, what do the Israelites do? It was a non-event. It was a non-event. They had gotten used to being without the ark. The ark ended up in the house of a guy called Abinadab and it was there for 60 years. Hear that? 60 years. You know what stuns me about that the most? The whole time they don't have the ark, the services were going on. The sermons were going on. The singing was going on. The whole thing was going on. Presumably it seemed to be going well even. It was all going, but it had no presence in it. There was no presence in it. God wasn't in it. Sometimes... It makes me wonder about the church today. Because sometimes there is singing, but there is no presence. Unlike what we had this moment, where we had presence enough for me to say, I don't need to preach. I don't need to. I'm not a professional preacher. It's the Lord we want. Not a preacher. It's the Lord we want. Do you know what it means to have songs but no presence? Sermons but no power? Services but they are not really the people of God? You must have seen it just as I have. How far at one point we've all gone from God where entertainment replaced real encounter and we learned to settle for the entertainment. There was no ark there for 60 years and everything continued. That's what scares me the most as a pastor. The most number one prayer point at Jubilee is it's your presence we need. That's, that's the one. We're not trying to be the biggest church or the biggest, all these other parameters we've designed. It turns out it is his presence the most that we need the most. Can you say amen to that? It's his presence that we want. It would take a whole different guy from a different generation, as it were, David, to come on the scene. And when David came on the scene, the conviction of his heart was so clear, so that he says, Psalm 132, where he says, I will not enter into my house. I will not sleep in my bed. I will not close my eyes. I will not give my eyelids slumber until I find a dwelling place for God.
until I find a dwelling place for the Most High, the Mighty One of Jacob. It says, we heard of it in Ephrathah. We've heard of the ark that is in a place in the fields of Jair. And it goes on to speak, oh God, oh God, come back with your ark and with your presence. He knew above everything, David was a man of the presence. He wanted the presence. So that when he became king and got into Jerusalem, the number one thing he did, let's go and get the ark. And so it is, they go and get the ark. But when they go to get the ark, everybody is happy. They find out it's in the home of a guy. The ark was in this guy's shed. Unbelievable. Abinadab, he's got two sons. They bring out the ark. They put it on a new cart and they're dancing. Everybody, David makes the whole nation come out. Everybody is happy and singing and wailing. The ark is coming back and they're all dancing and singing. At one point in the whole festivities, the ark kind of tilts a little bit. It tilts just a little bit. You know, it kind of goes to a threshing floor. It, look, it just went. And Ohio, the guy, Uzzah, the guy behind it, he jumps and he stops it. And the guy dies. You know the story. He jumps, he stops it, and he dies. He falls dead. Listen, the songs, you bet they stopped. Now everybody's confused. Before the ark, nobody died. When we didn't have presence, we had our religion. It was all going. Now we bring the presence. Strange things are happening. In the minds of one or two people, it doubtless would have been, let's just get rid of this ark and just go back to the way things were. So now you need to choose. Do you want the presence? Or do you just want mere religion? David was so broken by this thing. Oh, I feel for the guy Uzzah. You would have felt for him too. You feel for, you know, whenever you see, I was going to say the queen, the kings and the chariots, and we have all these big events in our nation here, and the pomp and the pageantry, no one does it like the English. No one. The world should come here to learn how to do these things. It's amazing. Imagine if on one occasion the chariot just tilts like it's going to fall. You would expect those who are standing around it to jump to hold it. This is what Uzzah did. And he dies for that. David is so broken. He says, we cannot take this ark into Jerusalem. It's too dangerous. And it ends up in the house of a guy for another ages. David goes away broken. Because this is what he lived for. He really didn't live to become a king. He had to be, God came and anointed him king. He didn't want it. What he wanted though was God's presence. Now this is the moment and someone dies. And then he goes to find out what's happened here. And when he searched it thoroughly, he finds out. Is it First Chronicles 15, 13, I think. He realizes it happened because we didn't do it according to the first order, according to the right order. There was a way to carry the ark. There was a way to usher in the presence. There was a way to regard God, and they didn't follow it. They didn't follow it. You think, what? They put the ark on a new cart. Tell me something. Where do you think they got that idea from? They put the ark. These are Israelites. They grew up 
knowing the word of God. 60 years later, the whole thing is gone. Now they're going to bring in the ark. They put it on a new cart. The first place you read new cart is when the Philistines put the ark on a new cart. That way, if it was good for the Philistines, it should be good for... Are you supposed to learn from the world how to do the things of God? Are you really supposed to learn the way of God from the world? You're supposed to be people of God. You're supposed to be different. Your light in a dark world. Why in the world would you extinguish your light and be a part of the darkness and say we're making a difference? They learned it from there. They learned it. The Philistines, they had a good technology. And that's one of our problems these days. The technology that is supposed to serve us now at some point threatens to dictate and constrict us how we should walk with God. Oh, I think we all need to be careful, don't you? Particularly pastors, people like me, all four foot one inch of me. You might want to be careful before you say, Lord, we want more of you. Because he just might come. Because he just might come. You're feeling bad for Uzzah. Let me tell you the thing with the Uzzahs of this world. Because I used to be Uzzah one day. You used to be, maybe still are, glad you've come out. When you think of Uzzah, you think it was just an instinctive response. Poor guy. No. The ark was never to be carried on a cart, supposed to be carried on by priests. The ark was never to be touched. It was supposed to have poles through rings so that you don't touch the ark, you touch the pole. The ark was not even supposed to be seen by the people to be covered by a cloth. Uzzah did not just break one law. He broke a lot of them. But of course, the ark used to be in his shed. He got so casual with it. Is the danger. It's not hard to sing a song, especially if the melody is written right. And especially if it's got, you know, the, just the way that the whole thing flows. We must be careful because emotion and a real encounter are different. Though real encounter will have emotion. If we confuse intimacy and familiarity, we will end up in trouble. We want intimacy with God and yet not overly familiar with him. Because in case you haven't heard, he is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is created by him. David realizes what he has done and so he decides to do it the right way. That's instructive. That if you've been doing it the wrong way, you can do it the right way. He goes back to God. You know how many people will have just run away from God forever? Said, I had a bad experience. The bad experience wasn't supposed to chase you away. It was supposed to make you come back the right way. David decides, he gets all the priests right. He gets everything the right way. And then they go back to carry the ark. And the priests carry the ark. And now they're going and walking and moving. Let me tell you something. You think anybody there on that day was rather flippant? 
I think not. You think anybody on that day was just casual with God? I think not. They had come to have a regard and a respect and a reverence. God is to be feared, brothers and sisters. God is to be feared. Contrary to anything else you may have heard, God is to be feared. Not you're scared and you run away, but because he is the Lord thy God. Why else do we kneel down? When you kneel down, you're saying that I may decrease, that I may see, continue to see you for who you are. David gets the ark. On this occasion, David, he is standing in front. The last time, he had the other guy, Uzzah's brother standing in front. Uzzah's brother was in the front. Uzzah was at the back. All that nonsense stopped. Because doubt, who knows? Maybe those guys will say, hey, the ark was in our place for ages, man. We know about this stuff. We know about this stuff. Now one guy is dead. Zip. David dances. He's in front. And he's moving. So, he has refused to outsource the worship. There's so many Christians that just outsource the worship. They outsource it to the band. The, the, band, will, the band will do it for us. I, I, I might say, by the way, for what it's worth, how blessed I was with everything. Because the spirit of showmanship has been rinsed right away from everything that I see here. And I thank God for it. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. You don't think it's a powerful thing when the people are singing and the band is gone? The most powerful instrument is your voice, not the cog. Nord. <laughs> David has now got the ark and they're taking it to Jerusalem. He is in front. He is dancing before the Lord. He is worshiping God. And then here's the funny thing. He goes six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. And he says, stop. Now everybody's thinking, oh no, who's dead? <laughs> oh no, somebody's dead. Nobody's died. He's just standing there. And then he's sacrificing, the Bible says. He sacrifices, he prays, he worships, he honors God. He sings to him, worthy is your name. Worthy is your name. Then he stops. Then they move again. Another six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. Then he stops. Then he worships. Then he sings. Then he's, this is, the people are probably all looking, wow, David, really amazing, really holy guy, holy guy. Then another six steps. Now you bet. If any of those people, another six steps is stopping. If there's any Western Christian there, yes, I said it, all of us. <laughs> all of us, we're all complicit. Another, any Western Christian is going to be like, yo, David, I, I got popped by nine o'clock. I got things to do. We're going to take six steps and stop every time and do all your sacrifice and singing. We'll never, do you know why Jerusalem is 10 miles in that direction? We have things to do, my friend. And there lies our problem. And then we wonder why we no longer see the glory. We wonder why the presence has become so difficult to, 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 to you know, enjoy. Let me tell you something about God. He's very close by, but you have to be hungry for him. 
and he checks the hunger by your willingness to still. Be still for the presence of the Lord. The Holy One is here, an old song used to say. Even moments of silence like this are difficult in churches these days. Why? Why? It should not be. It should be like the song we sang, you are God in heaven, here I am on earth, so I'll just keep my words few. Jesus, I am so in love with you. So that my second point really is a simple one, to respect God. To respect God means to honor his glory. It means to learn to host his glory. It means to learn to reflect his glory. It means to never take his glory. Because there's got to be somebody here that God may use to write one song that is going to be phenomenal all around the world. And then before you know it, you will learn how to monetize it and be on every podcast everywhere. Don't do that. Don't do that. Tell them God wrote it. Change things and not be like the world. Because when you do that, expressions of glory, respecting God's glory, finally there are rewards for the glory. And the rewards of God's glory, you know, your soul will become, as it were, strong in God. Your love will be fervent in God. Your life will be blessed by God. No one ever experienced God's glory and lost out. Nobody. Nobody. Live with the consciousness of his presence all the days of your life. I mean like from today when you go home. I mean tomorrow morning when you wake up and your eyes open and you are alive again. To give God thanks before you let the troubles of the day bedevil your soul. And live knowing he said he will never leave. He must be here. A lot of rewards. Let me close by saying this. I said to you, nobody wanted the ark in, in Philistine. When David, when the guy Uzzah died, nobody wanted the ark in Israel. I and mean, when the guy died, David doesn't want it to go, doesn't want the ark to go to Jerusalem. They had to put it somewhere. I don't see you voting to say, I'll have it in my house. Because somebody just died. Nobody wanted it. I mean, David had to, it has to go into somebody's house. It went to the house of a guy called Obed-Edom. I often take a flight of fancy in my mind thinking, you know, Obed-Edom, I bet his wife would have said, what were you thinking? What were you thinking, Obed? He said, I don't know, ark, house. Oh my gosh, do we not have enough trouble? Do we not have enough problems? Could somebody else take it? What are those leaders there for? Obed, you know, I don't ask God take home, house. Oh. Following morning, this is my fine, f- flight of fancy. Following morning, everybody wakes up. The whole village gathered around to look in at Obed Edom's house. Nothing, not a sound. Now they're shouting, Obed! Oh, oh, 
because they know what that ark could do to a guy. If they, they know what it can do to a guy, they're like, oh man, he's gone. He's gone. Little, little children are playing around Obed Edom's house. The parents are calling, come back here. Come back here. Dogs were not allowed near Obed Edom's house. The guy is a gunner. Obed, are you? Nothing. Everybody's about to go when the door creaks open and Obed Edom comes out. His vest singular. Obed, that, you're alive? He's like, yes, what's happened? What's the problem? Obed, what's the problem? We thought you were, we thought you were dead. He's like, no. But we were calling you, you didn't answer. We thought you were dead. He's like, oh, I was sleeping. What kind of sleep is that? He says, it's funny you should ask. It's the deepest sleep I've ever had in my life. It was a good, deep sleep. I said, I woke up ever so strong. It's like I woke up healed of so many things. He said, strange things are happening. I went to, I opened the fridge and all these fruits poured out. I didn't buy the fruit. I don't have money. Checks his wallet. Things are falling out. Money is falling. He, he's like, I don't know what's happening, but it's all good. They're just looking. The Bible says that because Obed-Edom let the ark come into his house, said, and God blessed Obed-Edom and his household. Blessed his household. Trust me, you want the glory. As a church, you have so much that God is doing here. Fight to keep that. Lose everything else. Whatever else. You know, people fight about nonsense things like car park. Don't be so silly. Forget that. Take a new but Just prize the presence. When you're coming next Sunday, you come with a sense of the presence. The presence. That's what I want. Because what he does for those who truly hunger and thirst after him is that he meets them in ways they could never expect. It's been a joy being here. May God bless you all in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.